Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Off The Bench. The biggest names in Aussie sport are here every weekend. Yeah, welcome to Off The Bench. Jason Matthews here. I hope your weekend has gotten off to a flyer. Big show coming up. Uh, we're joined by Ian Healy tonight. Also, uh, Luke Lewis has been travelling around regional Australia with some other NRL players. See what he's up to. Uh, and this guy, the new recruits for the Gold Coast Titans, joined us on Sports Day. I, I know why you're smiling at me because our next guest... Uh, great back. He's played at Melbourne Storm. He's uh, moved north to the Gold Coast. I mean, I don't blame him for leaving Melbourne to go to the Goldie. I mean, the weather's better. Coffee. I don't know if the coffee's as good as it is in, in Melbourne uh, on the Gold Coast. We'll I could see him as a, as a latte man too. <laughs> Let's ask him. Big Tino <laughs> Fasua Malawi is joining us on Sports Day. Did I get it right, Tino? You did. You did. Nah, you did. You got it perfect. Ah, beauty. <laughs> a lot of practice. Mate, we've been, we've been asking. Oh, mate, I've been practising for the last 10 minutes going, Sats, is this right? Hey, um, Tino, welcome to Sports Day. Is the coffee, are you a, a latte drinker and is the coffee as good as on the Gold Coast as it is in Melbourne? Uh, no, I don't think you can beat Melbourne. It's pretty good down there and I like my caramel latte. So, um, no, they're not too bad up here too, but I miss the Melbourne one. Caramel latte. Who was it last week we spoke to, Sats, who, oat, who drank oat? Milk Darren Shonig. Darren Shonig. Oak milk. No, oat latte. <laughs> oat milk lattes. Yeah. What's exactly. going on, mate? What's going on? <laughs> hey, how are you settling into the Gold Coast Titans? No, no, it's been good. No, I'm settling in well. It's been my fourth week of training. And, yeah, no, I'm settling in good for the boys. And they've been welcoming them. I'm going to enjoy it. So, yeah, it's been fun. Well, the winters will be better. We know that on the Gold Coast, uh, Tino. Yeah. What position have you been training in over the last four weeks? Uh, just uh, yeah, a, bit of, a bit of lock and a bit of prop. Just, uh, they're both similar positions anyway. So, um, yeah, I've just been training in both. And, yeah, just been um, trying to learn for some of the boys, so like Peachy and that. And, yeah, just them two positions, really. And, and a little bit of second row, actually. So, a bit all-rounder. <laughs> now, have you noticed a difference coming from a, uh, a town like Melbourne where... Rugby league, yeah, in all honesty, isn't a priority um, to a town where the fans and the junior rugby league players are, are pretty much scattered across the entire Gold Coast? Yeah, it's a lot different. Down in Melbourne, I don't really get recognised at all. And um, being up here, I walk down a shopping centre and people come say hello or want a photo. And it's good. Everyone's respectful. But, um, yeah, it is a lot different and I've got to get used to it. <laughs> hey, how have you found being a, only a young player and coming off a premiership win, a an origin victory as well, and and coming into a, a new team, new clubs, new teammates, new systems, new coaching, whatever it may be. How have you found that at such a an early part of your career? Yeah, it's been a bit different, obviously coming from Melbourne, um, and oh, that's all I've known really since I was seventeen, and it's been a little a little different, but um, it's been good too. Been learning a lot from Justin and all the fellas there, and no, it's it's good, it's good. I, I'm enjoying it here, and. Um, yeah, I'm just having fun. I just can't wait to stop stop running and start playing some footy. <laughs> now, I know what it's like when you change 
clubs. And you do start comparing things, especially when you come from a club when you've won a comp and you do start comparing little little areas of the new club that you're at. And one of those is the coaches, the way they, they look at the game, their philosophies. Now, you've come from Craig Bellamy. I think we'll go down as you know top three greatest coaches we've yeah. ever had in the game. And then you've got Justin Holbrook, still very new and green as a head coach. What are the little subtle differences that you've seen? Um. Justin's probably not as intense as Craig. No. <laughs> but um, no. no they're, they're, <laughs> they're both similar in, their own, in different ways, I guess, if that makes any sense. But um, no, they're both good. They both love their footy and they both understand a lot about football. And um, yeah, they are a little bit different, but um, I just can't wait to get in. Well, I've been learning a lot from Justin and yeah, can't wait to learn some more from it. And no, it's good. Were you ever on the end of one of Craig Bellamy's sprays? Oh, and if so, what was it about? <laughs> Uh, I think it was, I've only been sprayed by him once. And I was, uh, I think when I was 17, when I first went down there, I missed my physio appointment. And um, <laughs> it's a pretty funny story, actually, if you've got time. It's yeah, like, go for it. Um, I remember I was on a day off and I completely forgot I had physio. And I woke up the next morning to a phone call from my physio saying, oh, hey, guys, or calling me just saying, hey, mate, you've uh, missed your meeting. Um, you got here from Craig. And I was, well, I was young and I was literally, you know, crapping my pants. I was so nervous to get into training the next day. And all I thought was I was going to go see him in the office. And the first meeting in the morning, he walks in and he says a few swear words. He says, where the F is Tino? He slams the door in front of the whole squad. And I'm just in the corner. And I used to sit next to Billy Sader and Cameron Smith. And I looked to my right and they were just laughing. And I was like almost in tears. It's like, oh, my God, like. And he just gets up the, up the front and just sprays me in front of all the boys. And then the next training session, when we got on the field, you just didn't. All I heard was this chambers giving it to me the whole session. But <laughs> yeah, that was it. And it was pretty full on. And that was my last one, so which is good. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good. So, and nothing from Justin like that at the moment. Uh no, no, nothing from Justin yet. Uh, well, hopefully I don't get any space from him. But um, yeah, he's a bit more. More calm than Craig. <laughs> how have you how have you um, handled the heats, the the summer heat on the Gold Coast with your preseason training? Have, have you found that hard to adjust? Uh, a little bit. It's a bit more humid than Melbourne, but Melbourne still gets pretty hot. I think it was like thirty degrees, thirty eight degrees the other day. So it's one day. It still though. gets hot down there, but yeah, that's that's true. But um, no, yeah, I've got used to it now. I guess growing up here and sort of. I don't know, used to the weather, so I adapted pretty quick. <laughs> now, Tino, is rugby league always part of your household? Because you were born in Orange, but you were raised um, in Gympie. And I know your dad, yeah. Freddie. I've met him a, a, a couple of times when you were playing in the Intrust Super Cup. Because he was graded with the Roosters, wasn't he, in the 90s? So was it always part of your, your childhood? Um, no, not really. Not really. It was only a little bit. It was more just... Um, my parents just let me play any sort of sport growing up and we didn't really start into it until we saw some family friends start and I reckon I was around 10 or 11, so a bit later than other kids. But, um, yeah, it sort of was, like, watching it and that, but, like, just as a family thing, like, playing footy and that, it wasn't big. But, yeah, watching football was always big in the house. Gimpy was like that, wasn't it, growing up? And there was a lot of cross-code sports, wasn't it? Like, you played footy... In the winter, you'd play something else in the summer. I've always found gimpies. There's a lot yeah. of ovals around there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why, like, footy was still massive on the weekends to watch it and that. But um, 
at the start for me playing footy it wasn't really big it was just me playing any sport and I think it was a bit hyper as a kid so my mum just put me in any sport just to lose energy <laughs> Were you a cricketer in the summer? Oh yeah I did a bit of cricket actually during school and that and um, I was a bit of a fast bowler but I couldn't bat <laughs> <laughs> Most bowlers can't mate yeah. so don't, I wouldn't stress too yeah. much about that <laughs> Let's let's go ahead uh, let's look forward three weeks time your first trial Sorry Yeah it is I was going to say there's only one trial isn't only there Only one trial that's yeah. it there against the Warriors on, on February it's either 27 or 28 27th. I think it's the 27th um, Do you think this will be a full strength Titans team given it's the only only trial this year? Uh, I think it will. I think it will just probably some quarters, but I don't think the whole game it will. But I guess that's up to Justin, the coach and stuff to decide that. But, um, yeah, I think we'll be bringing our full-strength team and, yeah, hopefully get the win in the trial game. But, um, yeah, I guess it's, it is only a trial game, so it'll just be good to see where we're at. It's a tricky one, though, isn't it? Because you play them in round one. You don't want to give too much away, do you? Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it is a bit of a weird one, so... I guess it's just, uh, we. I guess we get to do the same with them. We get to pick up their, you know, strategies and stuff. So it'll help for us, and I guess it'll help for them. And it'll be interesting round one. <laughs> yeah, Oaks Oval. It's a great oval in Lismore. Oaks Oval, just in the Northern Rivers. A hey, um, Tino it was a breakout season for you in 2020. How did you come down from, first of all, playing a major role in that that premiership win, but also then having to back it up and, and play a major role in an Origin Series win. How did you come down from that? Did it take you a few weeks? Um, yeah, a little bit. I just sort of, even to now, I guess, it's just sort of, I sort of can't believe that it happened. And when I see videos of me in Origin or me in the grand final, I still just think like, all right, was that real? And <laughs> I sort of kicked myself a bit. But um, yeah, it, it, it's all come down, all the celebrations and all that. But um yeah, it, it was good, and I still still can't really believe it, to be honest. Hey, Tino, let's look at the uh, to-do list and what you want to check off this year, mate. If, we, uh, if we're talking to you at the end of October, what are you hoping this year that you would have ticked off? Um, oh, probably just hopefully, I guess, getting the Queensland team again and hopefully cement myself as the number 13, and that's a big goal. But um, And hopefully, obviously, trying to get um, the Aussie jersey. That'd be pretty amazing, and that's a dream. But um, still got to work hard and get through the preseason and season healthy first before I can achieve them. Now, before we let you go, there's always one question that we like to ask our our guests, Tino, and it's: Is there a teammate that's turned you've turned up, and in the first couple of weeks you've identified <laughs> them as the be- the biggest pest of the club? Every club's got a pest. You know, Will Chambers was at the pest at Melbourne for so many years. Yeah, who's the Gold Coast Titans' known pest? Um. Probably AJ Brimson, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I uh, thought that. I had, I had him in... Um, He's such a money boy. He doesn't boy. seem like it. But <laughs> yeah, he is a bit. He is a bit. But once you get in the training there, he's uh, always finding ways to annoy you or get on your nerve. And I experienced that a bit at an origin camp. And yeah, I experience every day now. <laughs> who's, the one in, who's the one in camp who doesn't put their hand in their pocket to buy a coffee? Anything. Or anything. Who's the team? Um, who's the team tight ass? Oh, who can I? 
Uh, that's, that's a hard one. It's a hard one. You know um, why you can't answer it? Because it's but, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> All right. So in commentary this year, Sats, it's tight ass Tino yeah, taking the ball up. Exactly. That'll, that'll be hey, Tino, we All appreciate right, it. Right. Mate, a lot of people are excited about this year for, for the Titans. In fact, Sats on Saturday has got the Titans finishing top six. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people are excited, mate. Good luck for the year. Great time to be joining the Gold Coast Titans. And, mate, uh, thanks for joining us on Sports Day tonight. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is Off The Bench. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Uh, Sats, we're doing a, a bunch of interviews, as you know, with um, some sports people who have reached the heights of sport and are now reaching some pretty big heights in business. The other night, we spoke to Timmy Horan, the former former Wallaby, who's yep. in the finance world, and he's uh, he's doing all right for himself. And uh, obviously about to commentate with Stan and Channel 9 with the rugby. This man played a lot of test cricket for Australia. Uh, Ian Healy is about to join us on Sports Day. How many tests did he play, Sats? Um, we played more than 100. He played less yes. than Warney. I'm going to say... Between 105 and 125. Between 120, 105 and 125, I'll say. Pretty good, Hills, isn't it? 119 tests. Not bad. 119 tests yep, for Australia. What, one of 13 players to play test cricket for Australia. Thanks to Officeworks. Let's get to work. Officeworks, helping you make bigger things happen. Ian Healy, welcome to Sports Day. Thank you very much, Jase. G'day, Sats. Now, Hills, Hills, Hills you obviously, when you retired from cricket, were you already in business before you retired or was that something you actually did as soon as you retired? Yeah, uh, no, there has to be some sort of uh, connection, I reckon, whilst you're playing. Um, I was always pretty strongly corporately involved. So I worked for CUB uh, and Toyota uh, and around uh, my cricket career, you know, doing PR work for them in off-seasons or, you know, seasons. Uh, and I, I got to meet publicans and car dealers and all sorts of businessmen along that along that road. So I recognised that connection was important to me. And then, uh, you know, a couple of years before I finished, I invested into the Greg Chapel Cricket Centre, which was my first foray in the business of using my own money. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I learned a lot from, you know, late 90s onwards. Were you nervous? Nervous about going into your own business, Heels? Oh, yeah. No, well, not not first one, right? The first one was a one-off opportunity. We were buying it off the original owner who'd been 25 years in it. It was an extremely established business with a very strong mail-order catalogue just based in Brisbane. And the price was right. You know, we had uh, confidence in the valuation, and so I and and I knew what I was doing in cricket. Mm. You know, yeah. so so then and and then times changed a little bit in that business, and you know the um, Amarts of the world and the Rebels yep. of the world came out into the big regional cities like Townsville and Wagga Wagga and all that sort of stuff, and they they were starting to sell cricket gear, so our mail order catalogue wasn't as strong, so. We, at the advice of our manufacturers, had to sort of go and spread ourselves around and uh, open up more stores and and sort of uh, went away from mail order to having a presence in more cities. So we went to to Melbourne first and then Sydney. We got a good offer at North Sydney Oval 
uh, to put a store in under that stand there, and uh, so and then Adelaide and Hobart and Canberra now. So so yeah, we've doubled up in Melbourne and Sydney. So yeah, we we've got out there again as well as our mail order and online. Now part of the staple diet as a kid growing up, even an adult, was the Greg Chapel white yeah. outfielders hat. Are they still for sale? Yeah. Yeah, I played golf with Greg Chappell last Friday. He's still wearing one. And I think his deal his deal was like a dollar a dollar a hat that was sold. Wow. Um and he designed the sort of hat in the day. So in the mm, in the eighties, early eighties he's been going on that. So yes, they're still there. Um there's you know, a few other hats with more softer, comfortable fabrics these days, but it's still extremely popular because it's so durable. Yeah. And, and when you asked about was I nervous going into business, uh, I then in 2004 went into the car washing business, mm. right? So, And we were the pioneers. So there's good pressure on being the pioneer because people in Queensland were still enjoying washing their own car, you know? There were some water restrictions in Melbourne and Sydney coming in, so they were probably going to come to Brisbane, um, but but so the first couple of years there, when five years after I'd finished cricket, I didn't have as much money um, as I did when I invested in the cricket, you know, the <laughs> cricket shops. So you're thinking, oh, God, this one could hurt. Um, but, you know, finally, after, you know, three or four years of stress, it, it, it all came good too in the car washing game. So, so you know, the, the fact that I suppose you have to justify why you're doing something. Yeah. It worked in Melbourne. That's where Chris John saw it in Melbourne. It worked in Sydney. It's 50 years in America. Why is it not going to work in Brisbane, you know? So we, we justified it in certain ways like that. Yeah, and, of course, you're talking about Hoppy's car washers, um, which you're very heavily involved in heels. I see the marketing stuff, and I'll see at golf days handing out flies, manning the promotional He's always tent. checking his phone about last hour. Oh, he's, he's got the till on the phone. Yeah, yeah just it's just ringing over. But honestly, you still are very hands-on. How many of these car washes you got now, Hills? Uh, we've got 11. We're waiting to open our 11. So wow. uh, at the shipping during COVID times, bringing our 11th lot of equipment over from America has gone all over the shop. We've, we've got two containers of three arrived at a mor- for a Morayfield site that we're doing. And... We need the third one, apparently, before we can start putting anything in the building. So the building and the site is all done and ready to go, and uh, we're still arriving with equipment. So it'll be another four to six weeks, probably, and we'll start our 11th. But the, the, the pressures, you know, you, you know, that's going to cost us possibly a month and a half of rent because the handovers happened and all that sort of stuff. There's some good pressures that come with business, and it's just, oh, God, I suppose it's about uh, being being aware of what might happen to you if things don't go right and uh, is that okay? And if it's not okay, you better ensure it goes right or not go into it. So, yeah, it's it's a bit scary at times when it's your money, you know. It, it can disappear pretty quick. I sent a text message to Heels about probably three or four weeks ago, the great service I got from a young guy at the Hoppies at Bundle, didn't I? Didn't I, Heels? He was yep. uh, tremendous. Now, your partner, Chris Johns, who you mentioned, who's former International Rugby League player, of course, Brisbane Broncos superstar, is he still the general manager of hospitality? No, I think, yeah, oh, he's pretty good. I, I'm joining him. We've got two of them. So, <laughs> he's, our, he's our CEO. He's an amazing big-picture thinker. You know, he was doing things with the Melbourne Storm in the late 90s that still aren't being uh, exploited a lot 
now by the NRL. You know, televising games into Asian countries, those sorts of things were were all part of what they were doing down there. They were way ahead of their time. So he's got this amazing big picture ability. And then I come come in behind him tying up loose ends, you know, and doing the, you know, and I'm responsible for um, the marketing, that day-to-day stuff uh, in the promotion of our services and teams and then a fair bit of hospitality as well because we've got <laughs> we got some great customers and we've got some great teams. Did you find yourselves who have you know, been in team environments for so many years, did you find yourself, both you and Chris Johns, um, did you find yourself going back onto the skills of what works in a, in a really good team when you're dealing with your staff and your managers? Yes, um, yes and no. Um, I don't think we're as passionate about our business as we are as we were with our sport. You know, it's an absolute dream we're living when you are playing sport. And so things like motivation and drive and, um, you know, trust in your team and, uh, you know, are just ultimate. It's very, very difficult to duplicate in a day-to-day repetitious world when you haven't got so much talent around you. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a constant drive. It's, a, it's, quite, it's much more of a a chore or a, you know, a job, I suppose. Um, they call it work for a reason. Mm. Um, so, you know, just continually motivating, uh, being involved, um, giving messages and training where, where it doesn't sink in as quick as it does uh, with the talented teams we're playing with. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a lot harder. That, that is a lot harder. We know the skills and we know the characteristics that you're looking for but they're not as prevalent in the workplace as they are in our sporting teams. Heels, if there's a, a young entrepreneur listening right now, what is the one piece of advice you would give them before going into business? Oh, have a bank. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. I, I guess um, it's, it, it's an ex- be excited by the challenge. Whether it's, uh, you know, car washing or cricket related it's a challenge and if that challenge is going to wear thin on you don't go into it mm. but if that's a challenge you want to see to the end or or start to feel some achievement then go for it you know you, you should be you should be good at it if you've got that feeling so i reckon feel really feel really good about the challenge that's in front of you and, and go for it i reckon now here's before we let you go just a, a cricket question um now t20 or the ashes What's more important, the World Cup and the T20, the Ashes in 2022? We won't play another test match until just before. Should they rest players like Cummins and Smith and Warner and co for the T20 World Cup to focus on the Ashes? Oh, God, what do you mean? Just before the next Ashes in England? Yeah. No, there's going to be an Ashes this year. So there's an Ashes next summer, like Mm. we've just finished with India. November. November And then there's a T20 before that is there in India. India. It was postponed. It was to be in Australia this year or in October, November. So, uh, no, I'm not resting. I think they should be able to play. So our greatest T20 players that we've got, they play the World Cup. And then we just be careful with them early season in Australia because there'll be time to come back and play four-day cricket, whatever. Yep. Don't do not uh, do too much there. Really manage them through that period and fire up for the Ashes because we've got to learn to play a bit better in Australia, you know. So our best players have got to be more effective than they were against India. So uh, I, I think uh, 
No, they're, they're not. They're not uh, earning earning rests at the moment. They've got to get going. Yeah, and look, I don't think there's anything more important to world cricket. I mean, apart from India, than an Ashes series between Australia and England. That'll be huge. And gee, it'll be good if the if the English supporters can make it out of your heels. I don't. I don't think it's going to be looking too good. But maybe an Ashes series for the first time, probably ever, without the Barmy Army. Yeah, no, the Barmy Army came in in my time, I reckon. So there's plenty before that. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, I meant in modern we, time. We, yeah. thought the, we thought they were a dead set army when they started. <laughs> they were like, Jesus, who are these blokes? But then we fell in love with them. They turned out to be really good and good fun when you're out, out in, on the town too. So so uh, it'll be a pity if they can't uh, come out here next summer. They've, they're already working on an Australian Barmy Army. So <laughs> I think there'll be a presence of locals. Oh, there's a... You know the English contingent that are living in Australia—they're forming already. So, so that'll be a magnificent series because we we uh, we tied or drew the Ashes in England in 2019. It's time to win again in Australia and then go back to England just after that, 12, 18 months after that, and and you know get going playing in England as well. So uh, it's a very exciting time for this Australian side. All right, Ian Healy, you better let you go. We know you've got a meeting to go to. The man who um, made a big name for himself in the sporting and ran 119 tests for Australia. That is that is some effort. And now killing it in the business world with uh, Greg Chappell <laughs> Cricket Centres and Hoppy's Car Washes and God knows what you're going to come up with next, deals. We appreciate you joining us on Sports Day, mate. You're welcome, fellas. See ya. This is Off The Bench. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Time for our sports stars of small business or business. That's a, it's a series of interviews we're doing uh, over the week. Tomorrow night, it's the car wash king. Jamie Winkup. No, oh no, uh, he's only got one. No, Ian come Healy. On. Yeah, Jamie Winkup is not in the car wash league of Ian Healy yet, is okay, he? Okay, yep. You know, Ian, actually, Ian Healy gets out there and washes the cars as well at yeah. Froggies. But enough of heels. He's uh, tomorrow night or Wednesday night on Sports Day. Uh, this bike, let's get to work. Officeworks helping you make bigger things happen. Played, I can't believe this, he played a ton of tests for the Wallabies, 80s, uh, 80 of them, 119 games for the Reds. He's been on more boards than a piece of camembert. Uh, Timmy Horan, welcome to Sports Day. G'day Slats, g'day Jase, uh, nice to be on your show mate. <laughs> mate, we're doing these interviews and I used to work with you many moons ago and, and it just, uh, like I used to hear you talk about sport on the weekend and then you had this serious job during the week where you worked in the, in the finance sector. What took you going from sport at a top level playing for the Wallabies getting into the finance sector? How did you get the two together? Did you do it at the same time or what? Uh, yeah, it was interesting, Jason. I mean, when everyone finishes, Seven Slats has been through as well. When you finish sport and, you know, professional sport, that's your job for a long period of time. That's all you know. And But along the way, you try to educate yourself um, in, into what's next um, so you can transition to something, not not from something. So, um, yeah, I, um, I worked for, for Westpac for a long period of time and um, worked in the private bank there for Westpac in Queensland and around Australia. And we actually set up a business to myself and Grant Hackett, actually. So um, our great mates of Grant Hackett and both sort of thought, well, in our careers in professional sport, we didn't have any a lot of guidance in our financial sort of part of it. So so we ran a sports and entertainment business and looked after, you know, newsreaders, actors, producers, TV talent and, and sporting talent to try and just give them a simple base of finance. And so I ended up there and 
the last couple of years I work now for a, a London-based sort of fund manager. So that's that's the real job through the week anyway. Yeah, nice. Now, Timmy, of course, when the game wasn't full-time in rugby league, we had this opportunity to uh, also have some sort of career outside of the game as well and continue to educate yourself, like you said. But when did Rugby Union go full-time completely? Were you still playing when that era uh, emerged? Yeah, so that's it. Um, it went professional um, officially 1996. So I sort of, you know, hurdle both of that so the amateur era was probably half my career and yep. the second part of my career was the professional part so during the amateur amateur days you, you were working full-time i was working for for forex for about six or seven years and and lucky enough they became a sponsor of the wallabies on the way through so time away from work wasn't too bad um but then once the game went professional that that transition from amateur rugby to professional rugby took a bit of time because a lot of players had their own business someone like a dan mm-hmm. crowley was working in, in, for the police and you know to then try and get time off to then train professionally um you know from nine till 12 and then again from three till five or six and then you got you know video sessions and you had you know sponsors commitments that was a difficult time for two or three years but apart from that i think then the game you know rugby really blossomed um you know people were more professional about it and, and the games became a lot more entertaining to watch did you find that in the rugby union environment that um you're able to be exposed to contacts and mentors that you're able to use post career as well yeah it probably um it probably took a while probably till you get to you know 26 27 till you're mature enough to to understand the network of rugby and, and what it does for you post playing the games and you know in the amateur era there was obviously a lot of doctors playing a lot of solicitors lawyers etc and um and now the game's changed i suppose with the polynesians coming into the game so it broadens out what you can do post post playing your career. So, uh, but yeah, always networks and contacts. And um, you know, I talk to a lot of younger kids now playing the game. And I always say to them, listen, you, you know, whilst it's great post your career to have a lot of networks, you, you've got to be able to network whilst you've got the jersey on. Uh, and whilst you've got the jersey on, you're probably a little bit, bit more powerful to to understand where you want to go. Is that you know, do you want to be a coach? Do you want to work in a, you know, do you want to own a franchise and grow that? Or do you want to go and work in the professional era of, you know, finance or something like that? It's funny, isn't it? The broad ends of the spectrum when it comes to the two sports, union and league. You're mm. saying there was lawyers and there was, there was doctors and those people playing the game. I'm just watching a 1987 replay of East Roosters versus the Canberra Raiders <laughs> at Sydney Cricket Ground. And a, a, a player scored a try and their career, their occupation would come up underneath it. You're saying doctors, lawyers? Yeah. This one said Salomon. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love the garbage collector. Yeah, yeah. A garbologist who would come up on the screen. Yeah. Hey, Tim, you talked about, you know, how you, back in the old days, you had the, you had the job while you played uh, sport. Do you think that's something the players nowadays are missing, that they don't have that profession that grounds them? Uh, some of them, yeah, Jase, I agree. Um, I think a lot of the... And rugby league's the same. Like the players' association um, in, in all sports now, especially AFL, rugby league, and rugby union. So that what the players' association does is obviously you know works out the collective bargaining agreement between the teams. But more importantly, try and promote the individual to go and do whether it's work experience, whether it's study. A lot of you look through um, the Super Rugby teams now. There's five Super Rugby teams. I would say at least seventy five percent of those players are doing some form of study or work experience um, to try and get themselves not about it's not necessarily about life after rugby and after professional sports more about just finding out along the way 
what your strengths are, what the weaknesses are, and then you've got some skills post the game to go into it, whether it's a franchise or whether it's working for a bank or whatever it is. Otherwise, you, you, your skills have got to be transportable. And, and the, you know, with rugby union and rugby league, you're so determined and so professional about what you're doing because that's how you're earning an income to support your family. Um, it's difficult to find that extra time. Now, we talk about transferable, going from your professional sport into professional life, corporate life. And an old coach of mine, Johnny Lang, used to always say, you know, you can't change the situation, change your attitude. Or he always used to say the building blocks to success where there are things that I've taken into into life after rugby league. Timmy, was there a coach that actually had a message or some sort of discipline where you've actually used that in your in your private life or your corporate life? Yeah, I had, um, I mean, John Conley was a great coach of mine at the Queensland Reds for many years, probably virtually right throughout my career at the Queensland Reds. And he was like a father figure for us. And, you know, he would um, get to know the individual person away from the field. So he knew how you played and he gave you advice, probably a bit like Wayne Bennett, gave you advice on how to run and what to do and little tips. But he was someone who, he said in leadership, you've got to get to know people, um, what he called off the field. So, you know, what, what's their girlfriend's name? Or what's their wife's name? What's their kids do? When their kids' birthdays? You know, who they support in different sports? So that when you turn up to training... He can either pick you up or he can bring you back to earth a little bit, but he can understand what you do totally away from your environment on the field. And um, So it was a great lesson for me every time. And I didn't see it whilst I was playing. I probably saw it more so post-playing where, I mean, John Conley as a coach, he would be there all day. It doesn't matter who turned up to Ballymore, but he'd always be at the car park an hour before training started so that he would meet you as you got out of the car and he'd just walk across with you, put his arm around you and talk about how your day was or what's coming up on the weekend and how are the kids. And so he really got to know you off the field, which is a, a pretty important um, you know, part of leadership moving forward. The biggest news coming out of rugby league and some really good news going into rugby union is the, the uh, transfer of Roger Tuivasa-Sheck from league to union in 2022. You think he'll, he'll be able to transfer a lot of those skills from league and pick up the... Well, he played rugby union as a teenager, so... So how do you think he'll go, Timmy? Yeah, I think he'd be good. I think he's, um, you know, signed with Auckland, uh, the yep. Auckland Blues. So uh, I'm not sure how old he is, Slats, now. He's sort of late 20s, wouldn't he? He's um, 26. Yeah, so he's still got some time on his side, which is good. If, if, if he was 28, 29, like it does take a little bit of time. Um, Vunavalu, who obviously Melbourne Storm wing, yep. has come to the Queensland Reds. And, you know, I watched Timmy play for about 25, 30 minutes on Friday night and had some good carries and... But the thing is, with rugby, you just got to bide your time as a winger, um, and Rogers probably going to be a winger or a fullback in that back three, of knowing when to run, when to kick, uh, what what's the best time to chime into the back line. So sometimes you can go to 20, 25 phases of of rugby, and and you're involved six or seven times. So I think it'll be going great, and um, you know it's that lure, I suppose, for Roger to have us check and. On that black jersey, that all black jersey is, you know, so well renowned around the world, and the culture that they have is, you know, he wants to probably have a crack at that before his career is over. Well, speaking of business, that uh, all blacks jersey apparently has a value of three billion dollars. That's how much it was valued at last week with a with an offer of a stake in it for about two hundred fifty million dollars. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> not a bad place to go, Timmy. Yeah, not the, not the jersey itself frame, Jace, but I know what you mean. The uh, the whole organisation of <laughs> yeah, the All Blacks, but yes. yeah, I think I think you know wherever you go around the world, and that's the great part of you know what we do when you commentate around the world and you travel, you get people messaging you from you know uh, an Irish bar in New York watching the Wallabies or 
somewhere around the world on holidays and they're finding a bar in Bali or somewhere around mm. the world just to watch a Wallabies versus the All Blacks test match. And, yeah, it's great. Um, I remember years ago when and a lot of different coaches like Michael Checker would bring in you know, former players or people of note to present the jerseys or have a chat to the Wallabies and, um, you know, you know, to be able to see people like, you know, Ben Robert-Smith and Mark Donaldson, the two Victoria Cross recipients, um, they spoke to the Wallabies um, back, so I think it might have been 2011 in Brisbane, and I caught up with both of them afterwards and I said, guys, what did you talk about? They said, well, we talked about and spoke about what it means for us to represent our country, Australia, when we're over in Afghanistan or when we're travelling and our wives and girlfriends don't know where we are but we're away for six months as an SAS um, and you know how proud they are when they can find a television somewhere to watch the Wallabies play so that's the thing with this you know especially the Wallabies brand as well Jace is that you know all around the world if there's a Wallaby test match on especially against the All Blacks everyone when you're an Australian when you're traveling around the world you try and find somewhere to watch the test match. Uh, Timmy, I could talk to you all night, mate. Particularly, we haven't even covered off on the gold jersey that's been selected now for the Wallabies, which which is a great call moving forward. Timmy Horan slayed it on the, on the rugby field for the Wallabies and also the Reds and is slaying it in business. Mate, thanks for joining us uh, tonight on Sports Day. Thanks, boys. Always good to chat, and hopefully it's going to be a great year, not only just for the Queensland Reds, but also for the Wallabies, and we've got to get our hands on this Bledisloe Cup at some stage. Thanks, boys. This is Off The Bench. Welcome back to Off The Bench. On Sports Day, it's time for... Yeah, nah. Transport for New South Wales. Be smart. Say yeah, nah to speeding. I think this one's a pretty easy one uh, this week, Sats. It belongs to our good mate, uh, Bernie Tomic, the, yep. the, uh, the, the player who's trained by Vanessa Sierra, my favourite person uh, involved. In, yeah. if you didn't know, yeah. You follow her on Instagram. Um, now, listen, what, what was the yeah, nah comment he made? Well, in his post-match press conference, after being beaten in round two, because <laughs> round one, he, he won round one because his opponent actually walked off the court. Yes. Uh, but in after his round two uh, loss, he said uh, that oh, I've been at the top. Yeah, I've been in the top twenty. Well, that's not the top. No, Bernard. And, and if I took it serious, I'd probably be in the top ten. Oh, uh, Bernard Tomic as a serious threat to world tennis. Yeah, no, nah. no, yeah, no, nah, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no chance of being a serious threat. There you have it. Yeah, nah. Transport for New South Wales. Everyday decisions matter. When you're on the road, so say yeah, nah to driving when tired. On the subject of tennis, uh, let's get a, a tennis Australian Open tennis update. The Kia's open season, it, it's on now with match-winning deals. I t- there's one person uh, who's going to play this weekend who I think is a serious threat to the women's. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at a lot of the other top seeds four by the wayside. I think Ash Barty is probably the only top seed or someone in the top 10. Sorry, Bernie, we're not talking about you at this stage. Um, I reckon who could actually pull it off because yeah. we've seen a lot of upsets, haven't we? Yeah, it's, 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 you're a great visionary, aren't you, that, that she may win it. She's ranked number one in no, the no. world. What did I say to you the other she's day? She's ranked number one in the world, you imbecile. No, but I – Of course what did, she's the favourite to say, win it. What did I say the other day and you that's agreed like saying, with me? That's like saying, you know, you know I'm going to watch this race and there's this horse <laughs> – 
And uh, no, it's, called, not. it's called Winks. I think it may be a chance of winning this race. Can I finish? Yeah. The other day I did say that the Australian Open's bringing everyone back to the pack yeah. because they haven't played for a while. Some have been locked up. Some should be locked up for more. But it's kind of because of COVID, it's brought everyone back to the pack. Mm. But I think the only one who's looking a standout is, is Ash Barty. And that, that game she had against uh, Dasha uh, Gravelova, the other Australian, she had to grind out a win. Even though it was in two sets, she was really challenged in that second well, set. Well, I think the, the Aussies didn't have to go through, well, a lot of the Aussies didn't have to go through the isolation rules of some of the other players, international players. They were able to be at home and, and basically just live life normally. Yeah. And I reckon restrictions have been dropped. And yeah, and that will be a, a massive advantage yep. to, to people like uh, to Ash Barty. Australian Open, I'm loving it. Well, we're nearly a week over already and it's been absolutely amazing. You know what? And I think being on this time of the year has actually worked out to be okay because it's before the footy season yeah, starts. Yeah, you're right. Great yeah. timing. Righty, that's our Australian Open update. It's open season at Kia with match-winning deals and Australia's best seven-year warranty across the range. This has been Off the Bench, the best bits from Sports Day. Uh, we will be back Monday night. Will you be back, Sats? I will. I hope so. All right. We'll see you then. Have a good weekend. See ya.